Wondering who I am. Not especially. Whoa! My name is General Yunan, scourge of the Sand Wars, defeater of Ragnar the Wretched, and the youngest newt to ever achieve the rank of general in the Great Newtopian Army. And this is why I hate coming out to the boonies. Hello and welcome to Hello Gamer the Podcast. I'm your host, Abdullah, and with me today is Zara Fuzzle. Hey, everybody. Hello, Governor. <laughs> I had to get that out of the way. Sorry. <laughs> no. Um, you want to know why it's called that, by the way? Yeah, why? Because when way back in the year 2012, when I was like discussing podcast titles, I just threw out stuff to somebody and he's like, I like Hello Governor. And I'm like, okay, cool, we'll go with that. And then I, I'm glad I did because years later I found out, like, the best way to name your podcast something is to give it a name that's nonsensical. That way people will have to say yes because no one knows what that is. <laughs> They're like, oh, it's a, it's a British podcast about uh, British phrases, yes. <laughs> Because, like, the laziest thing you can do when it comes to a podcast is called, like, something cast. Like, mm. Yeah. That like, stresses me out, the idea of having to come up with, like, a catchy title um, for a project. Like, something that's, like, marketable but also represents what your content is. So I like that idea of just name it something nonsensical and fun. Yeah, because you know, I don't want to. I don't want it to just be voiceover cast with so and so, right? Because it's like, oh well, we're not gonna come to your show if it's called voiceover cast or something cast or the podcast or whatever. It's just like, nope, that's what it's called, and I'm proud of it, and I've stuck with it since for eight years now. So there you go. I like it. I like it. That's an amazing commitment. And I admire your discipline. <laughs> I mean, it didn't start out as a, as an interview show. It was usually just me and my friend Tom coming on and talking shit about stuff for an hour and a half. But I just, there was a point in my life where I just got tired of it. And 2018 was like the year I had like a huge mental breakdown and I was unhappy with everything. And oh. I said... And I said, like, okay, let's just try to reach out to someone and see if, like, they'll come on the show for an interview. And then I did, and they responded back. And then, you know, after that happened, I'm like, you know, if I can get this person on, why can't I get that this person on? Why can't I get that person on? I mean, it, it's it's there. And, and, yeah, like, I look at the guest list, and, of course, imposter syndrome kicks in. I'm like, you know... Just, just you know, this year alone, I've talked to you know Roger Craig Smith, and you know, if you told me like years ago, if I, if I, <laughs> you know, if if I was going to be interviewing Roger Craig Smith on on my podcast, I'd be like, you're, you're crazy. That that would never happen. But it did. I love Roger. He's so he's so fun to talk to. And like, yeah, I was, you know, when when I when you first approached me about doing your podcast, I was looking, uh, you know, at your episodes, and you have had so many amazing guests it's crazy yeah man it's like roger craig smith dave finoy dave sissy so jones uh, oh sissy oh i love sissy oh the... i love 
loves you so much. She's uh, the greatest. Uh, loved loved having her on to talk about Owl House like a couple a couple weeks ago. That was that was a oh, that was awesome. a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sissy Jones, God, a lot of people, and you know, I'll, I'll say this now because you know, at first I was kind of bitter about it, and, and why shouldn't you be? Because it's like it's kind of a kick in the guts at first because you know you're still like young and, and impressionable and and then you know you, you you hear like you get a rejection and it hurts you but i'll say it you know when i got a rejection from like phil lamar that was kind of soul crushing because i was like you know i look you know i i love phil and he's great and i really wanted to get him on but i'm like you know what you can do two things you can either mope about it or you can move forward and put on the best damn podcast you can and i did yeah, and you know, when someone says no, it's not necessarily a reflection or a judgment on you. It's just our schedules are bonkers crazy. And I know like Phil Lamar, especially, he works all the time. Um, it's very hard for him to do any kind of like media stuff, I imagine. And yeah, it's just you caught us, you caught me on a good day. I had a, you know, opening in my schedule and I'm excited to sit down and talk to you. But yeah, even even if you get a rejection, it should never be seen as like a personal assessment of, of you or the quality of work you do. You know, it's just people's schedules be crazy, crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why that's why I always say like whenever someone asks me, why don't you get this person on? Why don't you get that person on? Have you seen their schedules? <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, don't you think? Yeah. Like, don't you think I want to talk to so and so for an hour and a half? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Even during COVID, like I feel very, very lucky, blessed, grateful to be working. Um, as an actor in animation and video games, because so much of our work has been able to continue um, despite the shutdown of most every other part of the industry. So it's good to be busy in a time when so many of my colleagues are really hoping for work to start up again soon. I feel very, very grateful. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the beauty of voiceover. You can work from home. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And speaking of voiceover, how did you get started for, you know, tell the people at home? Oh, gosh. Well, people at home. Um, I, as a kid, was really into animation uh, and comic books, so much so that I wanted to be an animator. Um, and so in college, I started studying visual arts but I kind of also got suckered in by the theater department <laughs> and I very quickly discovered I really enjoyed the theater, the theatrical medium of telling stories over me drawing um, visual arts. I felt like I would be a more effective storyteller, I guess. I remember, you know, getting a critique once on a sketchbook and it completely crushed my soul. And I thought, oh, gosh, I don't know if I could do this professionally where I'm presenting to me, I guess, my at that point in time. You know, I was a teenager. I was 17, 18. Like my visual art was such like an intensely personal thing, whereas my acting, you know, in the theater department and through extracurricular, you know, theater productions at my school, I wouldn't mind getting direction and critique there. Like I was like, great, bring it on. And so I think I realized mm, the drawing stuff. I don't know if I could do this professionally where I'd be constantly asked to revise, 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 but taking direction as an actor, that's something I can do. Um, and so that's kind of how I found my way into acting and specifically with acting for animation 
because I always loved cartoons, like as a kid, I would pay attention to the credits and see who the actors were in everything. And I was a huge fan of Jim Cummings' work on the Disney Afternoon. Like, he was Darkwing Duck. He was Bonkers and Lucky, the two protagonists of the show Bonkers. He was Pete in Goof Troop. He was everything. And I I really, you know, from a very early age, I was like, wow, this is a possibility. This is a career that people do, um, that very, very talented actors do. And I think for me, one of the biggest early influences that really got me interested in voiceover, uh, when I was 16, I went to a convention called the Gathering of the Gargoyles, which was a convention all about Disney's animated show Gargoyles from the mid-90s. And I met Greg Wiseman, the series creator, and he was casting uh, at the convention. He cast a radio play where he cast people, fans, with some of the original actors and we all read a script in front of everybody at the convention from an episode of Gargoyles. And he cast me as Elisa Maza, the female lead, who was my idol growing up, by the way. I, all of my clothes when I was 10, 11, 12 were like red jackets and black undershirts and blue jeans because I wanted to be like Elisa. <laughs> um, but so I did this radio play for Greg I met him at this convention and he told me, cause I was just about to go off to college. He said, you know, go to school, study, but then you should think about moving to Los Angeles because I really think you could have a career in acting for animation. And I kind of always had that in the back of my mind, even as I was studying animation, even as I was studying then theater, it always was kind of in my mind, like I could go to LA and work in animation as an actor. Uh, and it was several years later that I ended up doing just that. After I did a ton of theater and um, short film commercial work on the East Coast, I moved to L.A. about eight years ago with the intention of really focusing on like TV on camera work and animation. Um, and it's been working out pretty well so far. Knock on wood. It's it's so weird because I mean I did my research and I know like when the comics came out, you know, Greg Wiseman based a character off of you in the comics, which I thought was... Yeah, Sherry! <laughs> yeah. I was so flattered because, I mean, to be immortalized, essentially, your image in this property that was your favorite as a child by the series creators, like, my mind was blown. Like, Greg has been such an incredible mentor and friend to me over the years. So, like, it's been such a joy to go from fan to colleague uh yeah it's indescribable and you know you're you're also like currently on a greg wiseman show young justice which exactly. is pretty cool <laughs> yeah yeah that that has been that has been one of the most informative fun um teaching experiences of my career thus far yeah, yeah like it's it must be so amazing because like I, I mean you know especially like season three because we didn't know what we were gonna get for season three like we right. were everyone just went into it blind and i had to like do a refresher on on like the first two seasons because it, it had been so long and i had completely forgotten like half the cast by then and i'm like uh-huh i, I kind of need to rewatch the show and and it was kind of i mean season three is not my favorite but like, I kind of understand what they were going for. And, you know, when I looked up, you know, your name in the credits, I'm like, holy crap, she was all these people. And I didn't even notice. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah, because it's like I know, like with season three, they had to work with like you know budget limitations, and that's why they had like multiple people doing multiple voices. Yes. And the it, cast is so big, like the cast of characters in each episode. You know, so all of us were kind of doubling, tripling up every episode. I mean, it's just, it's so weird because it's like, oh my god, she was Windfall as well. Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Wendy Jones. Yeah, that was a super fun show to work on, and um, it's totally fair, you know, your your feelings about season three. I think um, stylistically it's a little different than the first two seasons. I think part, like, to me, I, I loved working on it. It's so rich. I do think that at times there's, like, just a lot going on. <laughs> like, a lot is packed into those 26 episodes. And I feel like part of that is because season three was the kind of the last shot I think they expected to get. They didn't know they were going to be renewed for a season four or like have any indication of that until well after season three was done and airing. So, you know, I think they tried to put like everything they had into the third season, um, which ended up at times feeling like, you know, I as just watching it back, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to keep track of, wait, what's going on with this person? Okay, they're there. Okay, last we saw them do this, and this person is over there, and is a lot. <laughs> yeah, and especially, like, there are scenes where I feel like are just setting up a, a potential fourth season. Like, for fuck's sake, you know, Metron comes in and tells Halo. And, oh, yeah. And, and, and tells Halo and Cyborg, you know, Cy uh, Darkseid is coming. He's coming. So be prepared yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 totally. And and, and you know you, you watch stuff stuff like that, and I'm like, okay, but did did you write that with the, with the idea that you knew you were coming back for a fourth season, or was just that, or was that just in case, you know, you know, just in case, just in case. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of the mysteries of uh, <laughs> television animation. No, but but I will say I think yeah episode what was it, it was the Vandal Savage episode the Vandal Savage episode was the best one. Oh yeah, the one um, I think it was episode eight with Cassandra Savage narrating and Olympia Savage her sister and yeah that was a chilling chilling really cool episode. And props to you know David Kay you know always killing it always yes. killing it. <laughs> Yes, and taking over that role, I think there was, you know, enormous pressure of, um, you know, living up to, um, my mind is blanking right now Miguel. on the original. Miguel, that's right. Oh, Miguel Ferrer. Yes. You know, living up to that, because um, that iconic sound Miguel had created. And I think David just, you know, knocked it out of the park, really made it his own, but still paying homage to Miguel's work. I mean, when we had him and, on, I mean, yeah. like when we had him on, like he talked about it being like very hard for him because he's like, you know, I'm living up to, I have to like do a, do a, you know, do a sound alike, and he had never done a sound alike before that, but I think he did oh, a, wow. but I, th but I think he did a phenomenal job in that episode. Yeah, totally. There, yeah, there's always that kind of when you are asked to take on a role that someone else has voiced previously. And it hasn't happened to me too often, um, but when it has happened, it's like, okay, how do I honor the original performance? You're always kind of thinking, too, how are people going to react to it? Are they going to be like, that's not so-and-so? <laughs> 
And so you're thinking about that too, but then also putting your own stamp on it. So it feels like it's authentic and organic and coming from you and not that you're just a parrot emulating something that already exists. So it's like that really subtle marriage of both those worlds, I think is when that voice match ends up being the most successful. And uh, it's an interesting challenge as an actor to take on for sure. Yeah, man, and and very few people can pull it off, in my opinion. Like, cause it's cause it's yeah. hard. It's hard. It's like, you know, there's a difference between doing an impression and doing voice match. Cause when they ask you to do voice yeah. match, they're they want a voice match. They don't want an impression. You have to sound like that person. <laughs> exactly, grounded and real, as if the part was always yours, as if it had always been you. Yeah. And no, I thought that was a phenomenal episode. And, and, and you know, if you're going to watch like one episode that, of that season, that, that'd be the episode because it's just. That's the one you'd pick. Nice. Yeah, because nice. yeah, Brandon. It's... No, so sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say Brandon Vietti is a beast. Like he wrote that episode um, and he's just so good. He's just got such a great handle on on story and specifically like the DC universe's brand of storytelling I feel yeah and and that's another thing like that's you know kind of polarizing about the show in general is like you have to be a DC comics expert to, to know half these characters yeah totally I mean it's like windfall wow the, you're you're digging deep on and on the well of what characters we could use for this season yeah right <laughs> cut you know, I Livewire, The Shade, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Harper Row. Yeah, Harper Row, Bug, Forager, <laughs> Even Halo, The Outsiders in a sense is is, you know, it's not on the forefront. If you're a casual DC fan, you might not know about The Outsiders. Um like growing up, I read a lot of Marvel comics, like a lot of X-Men, but I didn't really read a ton of DC superhero comics. I read like a bunch of Vertigo imprint titles like The Sandman and all of Alan Moore's stuff, um, Watchmen v for Vendetta. But like I, I didn't read a lot of like the quintessential Batman books uh, or Wonder Woman or Flash or any of that. So when I was first working on DC properties, it was kind of nice because I, I got to approach it very like from an objective level if i'm auditioning for like an x-men thing it's very emotional for me because i have very specific thoughts in my mind that have been formed since i was a child about who these characters are what they should sound like you know what motivates them whereas when you come to a property you don't know as well intimately you can create objectively based on what the script is in front of you rather than bringing your preconceptions to it so it's cool. I, I love that I work on so many characters in the DC universe now and that I've come to know so many of these deep cut characters. Um, and I'm kind of glad I didn't have the foreknowledge of them before I had to collaborate to create a sound for them. I mean, and, 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 and I've, um, and I, th I mean, this has been brought up multiple times in this podcast, but like whenever, like, I honestly feel sorry for anyone who has to take up, like, the mantle of, like, Batman or Joker because, like, their performance is always oh, going yeah. to be, like, it's always going to be compared to, to Conroy and Hamill. And I think that's just, I know, you know, that's tough. Like, you I know, know, that's tough. <laughs> I know. It's so, it's so exciting, I think, 
I mean, I would love to play the Joker one day. Let's be real. <laughs> like, but yeah, I mean, Mark Hamill, he's just one of my favorite human beings on the planet. I think if I ever ran into him on the job, I would just like break down and cry. He's one of those people where I would just be so starstruck. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And like Luke Skywalker was was my idol <laughs> growing up. So um, I'm a big fan of everything Mark Hamill has done. <laughs> Yeah, his Joker's so iconic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I honestly, I know this is gonna sound really controversial, but to me, like, you know, Hamill's best work as the Joker has to be in Arkham City. Like, I don't care what anyone says. Like that, that is the performance I I point to when I say, you know, he's mm. just phenomenal in that because, you know. Spoiler alert for Arkham City, by the way. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, the reason I say this is because when you get, because I, you know, I did a re, you know, I did a playthrough of it like a couple, you know, last year to see if like, because uh-huh. to see if it like still held up. And you know, spoiler alert, it's phenomenal. It's great. If you have not played it, please go play it. But um, you know, I was blown away by Hamill's performance in that because you know once. Once they do like the the whole twist, you the the way he does it, like because the, there's a scene where you go into the steel mill and a, you know a pre-recorded thing, a message from Joker pops up and he's clearly reading from a script, and the attention to detail is is phenomenal because if you listen to Mark Hamill, he's clearly sounding like someone who's trying to read off a script and it's trying to keep in character, and it's amazing, it really is. And especially towards the end where you where you uh, take out the snipers and listen to him, you know, try to keep the charade going. And it's so bad and it's so terrible because he's trying so hard not to break character. It's trying not to break character. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is so good. <laughs> All right. So I've been like tuning out as you've been talking because I have not actually played Arkham City or seen any of the cutscenes, So I didn't want to be spoiled. So I, I kind of tuned in and out when you were talking just then. But whatever you said, cool. Totally. <laughs> Mark Hamill's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, it's just, you know, being a part of the DC universe and creating life to characters that don't, don't exist or it must have been a challenge. But at the same time, it's more it's I think it's much easier because you don't have a preconception of what the characters were yeah. before you went in. So there you go. Totally. You feel a bit more. There's more freedom there to come up with something authentic to you yeah (laughs) than feeling like you're in a shadow um but that being said every shadow has a different shade (laughs) yeah and and at the end of the day you know people are gonna be you know people are gonna say yeah people are gonna have their favorites obviously but at the same time i'm like don't be a dick you know if you prefer like your if you prefer conroy's batman cool but don't be a dick to everybody who took over the role after after him. Just don't. Yeah. No, there's that's absolutely there's no poor actors are just trying to make a buck and survive, guys. Like, be kind. <laughs> no, uh, you know, I'm trying hard not to like go into like spoiler heavy stuff when it comes to the Young Justice season three, just in case like someone hasn't seen it and and then they're being gonna be like, oh, they spoiled it for me because you know that's sure. how, that's how the internet is, but. Like, how was it like when, you know, recording like that final episode and, and you guys didn't even know, like, you were coming back for season four? 
Like, what was that experience yeah. like? All right. So spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen Young Justice season three. I'll try to be vague, but just know that there might be some spoilery things that come up in what I'm about to say. So the very last episode of season three, I actually um, didn't know what was going to happen because even though my main character, Halo, is present, she does not have a single line in the episode. So I was not there to record anything. I didn't know what the twist of the season would be and how it would go down. I only found out much, much later um, from some of my friends who work, uh, who animate on the show, like what exactly was going to happen. And then I saw the full thing kind of play out when it aired on the DC universe along with everybody else. Um, But like, I will say in that final arc, uh, I will say in that final arc, it was, you know, not knowing if there would be more, I don't know. I try not to think about that when I'm sorry. Hang on. My cat is wailing for food. Pause for cat. <laughs> All right. They got their food. They're happy. Um, what was I saying? Uh, oh, you didn't know what the twist was going to be. I didn't know what the twist was going to be. And um, and that was good. That was fine because I, I wouldn't have played it any differently had I known what the twist was going to be. And I wouldn't have played it any differently if I had known we were getting a fourth season. Um, You know, I really tried for each episode to just to be a good actor and be in the context of the scene, the circumstances that the given circumstances to just play the honesty of the moments uh, that Halo found herself in, especially when she has her big hero moment um, toward the end against granny goodness. Um, It, you know, I don't think knowing whether we had a season four or not would have changed anything performance-wise. I think on a personal level, every every session felt really precious because because Young Justice is such a rarity in animation in terms of they still try to do group records where they get the whole cast together to read. Or if they can't get the whole cast, then like a few people who are in scenes together Whereas a lot of other shows, because of scheduling and timing, you're often the only person in there one at a time recording. And of course, now during coronavirus, it's very much the case. You can't get you can't all get together in the same room uh, for a group record now. So I think all of us were all very aware of like the preciousness of Young Justice. And also the fact that the show was coming back after seven years, everybody was invested in making it really good and making their part as good as it could be. Because we were all so aware, I think Brandon and Greg really impressed upon us, like how much they wanted to thank the fans and do things for the fans who were instrumental in bringing the show back. And, um, you know, as a new cast member coming into an old, already established ensemble cast, I felt very much embraced and brought into things. It felt to me like a homecoming as well, even though... I wasn't in the first two seasons, you know, as a new cast member, I still felt very much like part of the Young Justice family. So there was it was a really special show for all those reasons and probably made more precious by the fact that, wow, it was a long shot. We came back in the first place and we don't know if we're going to come back again. So everything felt really special and you don't get that feeling with every show you're on. Well, you know, and, and, and another thing is like, this show 
you know, there was no, it wasn't coming back. Like for, for a long period of time, we were just, we just yeah. accepted like, you know, Young Justice was just over after two seasons because, you know, there was a whole, it was just a whole mess that I'm not going to get into because it'd be like five hours long if we got into <laughs> like all the backstage bullshit that went on, you know, during production of the first two seasons and, and the state of Cartoon right. Network at the time and, and what they wanted from, from their block you know, it was just right. It's just right. you know, whatever. But you know, fans never gave up. Like you know, I remember, like the moment the show came on Netflix, everyone was like, "Let's get this to be like the number one thing on Netflix." And yeah, and they did. It's amazing, and that was like directly responsible for getting the attention of this, you know, of the Warner Brothers, the executives, to be like, "Hey." Yeah, we have something really special here that could make us more money. <laughs> Let's bring it back. And and it's another thing like someone pointed out where it's like they have the money to shit out like multiple animated movies on a on a monthly and a yearly basis, but they can't have enough money to to, to come out with a series. What's up with that? And they're like, Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's really unclear to me because like uh, there's so much that even I working on this stuff don't know that goes on behind the scenes at the studio level. Like for instance, the people who are in charge of the direct to video films that you talk about that come out a few, you know, a couple of them a year, they're a completely different department. And I am assuming budget structure than Warner brothers, TV animation or Warner brothers film. Like it's, it's there's so I really wish I had a better understanding of like I want to be a studio exec for a day just so I can understand why sometimes choices are made the way they're made like what master are you serving when you make some of these choices you know in terms of what's what gets renewed what doesn't what creative decisions get pushed forward what don't um and then like I think the added challenge with Young Justice is Warner Brothers was using us to really launch DC universe, the new streaming service. So there were all like, we had completed a lot of the episodes and kind of, it's my understanding we were waiting on the launch of DC universe to launch the first part of the season. And Greg and Brandon didn't even know until very late in the game. Oh, we're going to be releasing three episodes per week. You know, when they were writing the season, they didn't know whether it would be one episode a week or whether it would be dumping like the first 13 out all at once. Um, and it turned out it ended up being three to four episodes per week. So you kind of, they had to kind of write with that in mind that it could come out. It release structure could be anything, um, which I think is probably really hard as a writer to plan for, but yeah, they but, did a, 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 yeah. Yeah. Because you you don't know. It's like, do you want this the whole thing to come out in a day or do you want like an episodic structure? Like, what do you want from me? Exactly. 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 And like, I think something I saw often in fans reaction was like, why does halo die like three times every week? Why, you know, why do they brutally kill her every time? And it's like, well, it's not actually every time it just, it's every week with the release structure. <laughs> you know, if you were seeing these episodes one at a time, you might not think it's as excessive as if, Oh, well you saw her die a bunch of times in a row. Like, um, yeah, it, release structure really affects the way viewers perceive story. Absolutely. 
Like I'm hearing too, you know, uh, the boys season two just dropped on Amazon and they're doing like a one episode a week structure release structure. And I'm, I read something that like certain fans are angry and like giving it negative reviews because of the release structure, which is just what a headache to be dealing with that. Let me tell you my something. Heart. Let me tell you something about the before time, Sonny. Back in my day, <laughs> back in my day, we had to wait how many weeks for a new Gargoyles episode to come on. Right? And if you didn't set your VCR properly, you missed it. You missed it. This is what boggles my mind. Can I go on a little rant here? Like we, 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 right now we have access to anything. We can watch any series we want at any time on any streaming service. And people complain about it being on a weekly structure. That's how TV was always, has always been like (laughs) back in my day. (laughs) Yep. Yep. In the not too distant past. Yeah. It's amazing how short memories are. And I have to remind myself, you know, especially some of the folks I interact with online, they're younger. (laughs) They were born in a time where there was always a DVR. You could always record stuff and then watch it all in one swoop. It's just, it's, it's different. Um, And people, we've lost collectively the perspective because of technological advances, which is both a good and a bad thing. I guess. And, you know, controversial opinion, but I kind of like waiting a a week to see the new episodes because I don't think the episodes would have an effect if, if, you know, you just got the whole thing in one package. I agree. That's the magic of television. If I want one package, I'll watch a movie. But if I want to eat a little bit and digest it and then eat a little bit more and digest it, like that to me is what TV was originally for. And that's the beauty of the medium, the episodic. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, best of, look, best of both worlds from Star Trek The Next Generation could not work in this day and age because, you know, that cliffhanger was what, pe- what, was, was what people remembered from that episode. And the fact that they had to wait, you know, a year to get the conclusion mm. was just, oh, it's so good. Or who killed Mr. Burns? Yeah. <laughs> you had to wait like three months before <laughs> you found that out. Well, this looks like a mystery I can't solve. Can you? Well, I'll try. It's my job. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I might watch that episode tonight after we're done on Disney Plus where I can watch all of The Simpsons now. Did they fix the cropping issue or is it still terrible? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? It doesn't bother me so much because, because again, because of the age I grew up in, I'm used to watching things that look terrible and like adjusting the satellite dish to get a crisper picture. Uh, <laughs> so I put up with a lot in oh, terms of uh, my tolerance for resolution. Oh, I remember like back in the day, back in like the early days of YouTube when people would upload whatever to, to full episodes on, onto the thing. Like some uh-huh. someone actually split up like a couple of Beast Wars episodes in quote unquote HD, and by HD I mean they just took like the the DVD rips, put them through like a shitty shitty uh, shitty converter, and just like stretched <laughs> out the resolution to to for to to full screen so it looks fucking awful. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Those were simpler times, simpler times. What do you mean? You want gargles in HD? I got gargles in HD. <laughs> <laughs> just stretch out the resolution and just, you know, put it through a through a through a MP3 to to HD converter and there you go. 
Did you ever see those videos where it's like picture in picture where it'll get like it'll flag the copyright thing and be removed if it's the full screen? So it's like a a picture of a house and then on a smaller frame, it's the episode itself. I've seen that um, in the past on YouTube for certain shows. (laughs) Yeah, um, because because there's a podcast I listen to that's a wrestling podcast and they, you know, do like a video review show. And the way they get around it is like they they, you know, screw around with the footage so uh-huh. it's like it becomes a you know a you know uh, transformative work. So it's like you know yes, we're, right. we're not we're not showing the full thing. We're just like showing clips of it. So <laughs> legal. This is legal. We're yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but no, I like I like the 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 you know one a weekly a weekly schedule I, a episode schedule. I don't know why people have a problem with this. I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just an old fart and and I'm and I just. I'm used to it by now. Well, you know what I think it is? I, and this is the funny thing. I, it, you have to kind of twist my arm to get me to watch a, a film sometimes, unless it's something I really want to see like Tenet. Oh God, I want to see Tenet so bad, but it, it it's hard to be like, if, if you were to be like, Hey Zara, want to watch a movie tonight? I'd be like, mm, maybe. But if you're like, Hey, do you want to watch an episode of this? I'm like, Oh yes. Because when you really, when I really like a TV show, watching an episode, it's like spending time with some friends who a week later, if I like them, I'll get to see them again. Oh, and maybe then I'll get to see them again. It's like something to look forward to. Um, in a way, with film, you just consume it and it's one and done. So I think there is something psychological about watching things in pieces at a time. Even when I'm like streaming, uh, like a, a, a you know a full series on Netflix, I'll just stop, have a break, and then come back to it later because I can't, I can't, I, I just can't watch the whole thing in one sitting unless it's like something I really want to watch, like you know Glitch Techs. I'll sit through oh, like for yeah. <laughs> for like a full season, and I, I love that show, and I hope that um, that Netflix gets the hints and 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 you know saves the save saves it i hope so too <laughs> it's it was such a i worked on that show around the same time we started recording young justice season three and so both of those things were happening concurrently also voltron like that summer was a really great kind of breakthrough summer for me where i was on three series that all kind of were recording at the same time and um Glitch Text is so amazing. There's like 10 unproduced episodes that are ready to go. They just need to be animated. Like all the recording and storyboarding was done on them. And uh, I really hope that Netflix at least, Netflix and Nickelodeon at least finish those last 10 episodes because that series is so special and like so funny and well-written and well, it's like visually beautiful. It's like a, it's like a home run of animated series to me. And I don't understand why um, it was canceled when it was. Man, I'm, I'm going to get, I know this is going to be like uncomfortable for some people to hear, but I don't care. Like if you, if you're, if you're someone who gets like, you know, who doesn't want to hear this and tune out, I'm sorry, but this is how I feel. A character like Zara on that show made me made me cry because it's like, like I'm I'm Arab and, you know, the representation we have in like American media is always like, you know, people it's it's always like two things. It's either terrorist or, or, or noble or nobleman. And I fucking hate those 
stereotypes so much that I'm just like, you have never talked to an Arab person in your life. The fact that you think that we're all like either like terrorists or noblemen or, you know, that we have a sense of honor and shit. It's like, who, who are you trying to fool? So like when I saw this, when I saw like a, a character like Zara, who's just treated like a normal human being who doesn't speak in broken, you know, fucking English with, with a, in a broken accent for, for, you know, people to understand like she's, you know, Middle Eastern. That, that was like, my goodness. And oh, I, and I that wa- makes me so happy. And I wanted, I wanted to succeed because of that. Because we need more of this. I don't... I, yep, yep. I'm totally with you. And like when I approached that character, I was very deliberate about, I want her to be a cool girl. I want her to be sarcastic and funny and awesome. And that's the first thing I hope people think about when they think of her. And not that she's visibly a Muslim. Like it just, things need to exist without leaning into any particular stereotype and that is the only way I think you can make change on an artistic level. Yeah, and, and it's it's just heartbreaking finding out, oh, this show didn't, you know, this future hangs in the balance because it's like, it gets it right, you know, it gets, yeah. you know, the writing gets it right. It's not, you know, the characters are, like the main character is like, a, you know, a, a Hispanic and, and an Asian girl. That's yeah. fucking awesome. Like, yeah, and it's not a big deal. They're written as characters. It's not like, oh, I love this. Yes. I love this show so much. I'm sorry. It's just. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear. Mean, I know. It means the world to me. And and the fact that it might not come back for, for you know, season three, just it's just heartbreaking. It really is. I know. Well, I mean, I, my hopes is that. You know, a lot of people, it's kind of picking up speed with the second season being released. And if enough fans write into Netflix, you know, we want season three. I mean, if we can young justice it, <laughs> that would be amazing. No, I mean, I think Dan Milano tweeted out, like, it's like the most, one of the most popular things on Netflix. So they did it. <laughs> you know, it's it's on there. <laughs> oh, that's right. I think I did see something about that, <laughs> yeah. like how it, it, fans got it trending that's amazing yeah so it's like there's a market for this and it just i just oh, oh i'm really angry at nickelodeon too for like dumping it on netflix without like any hype it's like oh yeah here's this yeah. show like here's the show i was like what what is this and why didn't you promote it better again i would really love to be a studio executive for a day just so i can understand why decisions are made the way they're made like it's my understanding and like i have with utmost respect to nickelodeon and the the studio execs in charge it's my understanding that there was a different team in charge when glitch text was originally greenlit uh, a studio executive team but then netflix uh sorry nickelodeon had a turnover where those original studio execs who were very supportive of the show left and a new team was brought on who maybe probably were focusing on different properties within the company. And so that's when, um, you know, uh, production on the second, which would be the third Netflix season was halted. Um, and so it's like, I really feel for as hard as it is being an actor and kind of being at the will of you know, the industry and auditioning all the time, that's hard. But I really feel for series creators um, who are, you know, pour their hearts and all of their creative energy into 
these shows and they are also at the whims of forces higher than them um, and who often don't give clear reasons why certain decisions are made. I think it's a very, I think working in animation, it's the best thing ever, but it's also one of the most heartbreaking things ever. Yeah, and 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 I'll just say like it, it's it's bad enough like they treated you know glitch text poorly, but like after what I found out what happened to you know Rise of the TMNT, I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's frustrating for sure. It's just uh, and and I don't understand like you know giving Nickelodeon the benefit of the doubt you know against these like legit criticisms. Because it's a legit criticism. Like, you know, what they did with, like, Rise of the Team and T, you know, the second season was, like, you know, cut down the episodes from 26 to 13. So all the stories the writers wanted to tell, they had to, you know, condense that and rush to a finale. And that was it. It was like, there you uh, go. There you go. <laughs> that's tough. That's tough when you have to make those massive changes to your storyline. Um because of yeah 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 that's television uh show business what a great what a great thing <laughs> yeah no one wants no one cares about this new property we want three spongebob spinoffs there you go that's that's <laughs> the future of television right there <laughs> oh man but um you know let, let's let's talk about like the you know one more thing that that you've been in that to, to to lighten up the mood so it doesn't become like me ranting about terrible networking decisions. <laughs> no, love Nickelodeon, love Netflix, love, love them. <laughs> but, um, you know, another show that you've been on and you've voiced like, you know, you've look, she's only been technically in one episode, but already she's like my favorite character in the entire series. Uh Oh, I think I know who <laughs> you mean. <laughs> You know her name, uh, General Yuan in um, in Amphibia. Yunan, Yunan. defeater of Ragnar the Wretched and the youngest newt to ever make the rank of general in the Great Newtopian Army. I love her. She is she is everything, and and I want a spinoff of her. I want a spinoff. I love her so much. Let me tell you. So I originally recorded it. Um, maybe about like nine, almost a year ago. And then they had me in a few months ago to do um, pickups to it, to match to picture. And that was the first time I saw her. And I freaked out when I saw what she looked like. She's so badass with the Wolverine claws. Um, yeah. She, and she's such a nut. She's such a nutter butters. I love her. I love her. Um, I hope she comes back too. I'm intrigued to learn more about her. <laughs> And and speaking of gar and speaking of gargoyles, it's it's kind of funny that you know you got you know you're a big fan of that and of that series and who voices the the Newtopian king Keith David. That's right. That's right. I love Keith David so much. Like it blows my mind that I share a credit with him in Amphibia and in um, Young Justice, and it's it's really wild. It's like. It's crazy when you get to work with your heroes and they're every bit as awesome as you thought they would be. Uh, it's really special. No, I mean, but I but I love General Yunnan, and she she is a oh she's so good. Like I don't I don't want her to be a one off. Don't be a one off. She's just, <laughs> she's just such a that that's my favorite episode in, in the entire series because it's like you oh know, my gosh. 
because it's the That's only because awesome. it's the episode that doesn't focus on on Anne, and it's more story driven. Like there's a lot of lore in that, and you get totally. like, and you get like. By the way, first Newt we ever see in the series proper. First Newt you ever see in the series proper, and it's this crazy general, oh. and it's like. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, because we don't we don't get to Newtopia and see the newts until like way later. So technically the first ever physical newt we see in the in in the um in the series is general is the general. So there you go. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love I think Troy Baker does an amazing job as Grime and so somebody pointed out, "Hey, it's Halo and Geoforce." when General Yunnan and uh, Grimer squaring off. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because it's like, we didn't know what the newts were going to be like up until that point, so it's like, okay. And then when she came on, like, ah, oh, like, every scene, every scene she's in, she just steals it. Like, it's just, oh. it's just can we have a spinoff, please? Like, give, give me a spinoff. Hey, I would love that. Disney, you know my number. Go ahead and give it a call. Anytime, we will make that happen. <laughs> my name is my name is my name is general i just love it because okay i was a huge um pokemon fan growing up and team rocket specifically i was a huge huge fan of team rocket and of course i had their speech memorized in english and in japanese and i'm also a huge darkwing duck fan so i love when characters give a speech that's like kind of set every time you see them um, and so when I got the audition for General Yunnan, I'm like, oh, okay, this is a Darkwing Duck type. And that was kind of my my base um, for developing her. And then I've never seen it, but um, people say that the like visually uh, they're referencing JoJo's um, – what's the name of the show? JoJo's yeah, Bizarre, Bizarre Adventure. Adventure. <laughs> yeah. And so it's so cool. I love that like – you know, the stuff we watched as kids, now people my age are making the shows and they're referencing all of this stuff. Like, it's so wild. It's awesome. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of animation is like, you know, I mean, I said this before, but I, I wish we had like, you know, the stuff like Amphibia when I was a kid because it's like, I, you know, love the the ongoing storytelling that they that they're doing and the fact that each season has an arc and you know there's yeah. a, there's a beginning middle and end to their story and i'm like yes more of this please more of this yeah totally totally i you know i like i gravitated toward that stuff too as a kid that's why i loved gargoyles so much like i liked one-off episodic you know monster of the week type shows but then i really liked it when there was a bigger storyline that ran through it it just weighs the whole thing down with a sense of like stakes and urgency that um is really cool so i love that shows now are leaning into that um serialized kind of thing versus one-offs um like i really love another show i'm in is is um, dreamworks shira on netflix and that was a show i felt did a really amazing job of you know telling one story from beginning to end over the course of their five uh, or six seasons six seasons five seasons Shira, how many seasons in uh, shira uh, five seasons five seasons yeah <laughs> five seasons. sorry don't mean to you know make anybody think there's an extra season five seasons <laughs> yeah and and you know 
I I I remember like a couple of years ago I did a whole rewatch of Gargoyles and man the fact oh. that it, the fact that it still holds up very well to this day is just a testament totally. to, how, to how well the writing was on that show. Oh my god, it was beyond it was ahead of its time. I redid a rewatch of it recently too and like yeah, yeah. I mean there's certain things that look a little dated just in terms of the animation now, but that makes sense if the show's 25 years old. Right? Yeah. Oh my God. 1994. 20. Uh, it'll be 26 years old this October. Wow. Um, but the storytelling of it, um, and most of the visuals, like, really, really hold up. Oh, the the first scene where you see, you know, Goliath's blood in the opening. Oh. <laughs> Chills. When Owen says, or when Xanatos says hell, it's like, oh, can he say that? <laughs> And I remember there was a lot of controversy to, towards that line, and I think it had to be changed in, in like, syndication yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Right. When they aired episodes on Toon Disney, they were, like, highly censored. Um, okay. Uh, let I'll just ask this question. Who is best gargoyle? Who is best gargoyle? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. My answer changes over the years. I think the most interesting gargoyle now was Demona. I love Demona. She is such a complex villain. Um, and I love the whole City of Stone arc where we see what shaped her into her current worldview, <laughs> which is kill all humans. Um, I love Demona. I have to say Demona is best gargoyle. What would you say? Uh, Cold Stone, because he's a cyborg and he is voiced by Michael Dorm. So what more do you want? <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's pretty darn. That's pretty darn great. <laughs> oh, God. And I just, I just love that. I mean, okay, it's to me, it's like it's either Coldstone or Thalog. I oh. can't pick between those two because those are, those are my two favorites. Thalog, another really fascinating villain. Like you take Goliath, who's essentially the epitome of good and, you know, protector and you 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 take him and you you know mix him with Xanatos's capitalist philosophies and you see a shadow of you know what Goliath could be you know what are his negative traits his temper he's quick to anger like you see all of that in Thalog and it's so interesting yeah, yeah. and plus it's like it's it's one of the few times like on that show that you know Keith David played a bad guy so there you go <laughs> do you like how we both kind of chose villains I mean, Coldstone's not a villain per se, but they do. He is an adversary for several episodes of the show. But we're like, best gargoyle, villain, villain gargoyle. Okay, best gargoyle from the Manhattan clan, go. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, gosh. Can I say Elisa, even though she's not a gargoyle? <laughs> she was a gargoyle in like one episode where they yes, switched. The Elisa Maza in the mirror as a gargoyle, best gargoyle. Uh, um, now, I love them all. It's it's tough because it's like I like Brooklyn, and I wish his arc was better explored in the in you know in the series. And I like they and I like uh, you know Goliath. Mm-hmm. And and Hudson, oh Hudson, oh, oh. Hudson's, oh, he, I, I almost said Hudson because he's just so wise and yet at the same time he's not a curmudgeon, 
like he's wise and experienced, but also open and flexible enough to adapt and to really let the younger generation lead. Like he is what I feel all boomers should aspire to be. <laughs> uh, and, and it's kind of weird, like, because it's, it's one of the few serious roles Ed Asner has done. Like it's it's a very serious yeah. role. Like there's very little humor with him. Like when it comes to like most most of the humor from him comes from oh look he's so old he doesn't know what you know times right, have changed. Right, right, that's true. He is kind of that grounded, real anchor kind of nurturer, yeah, of the team. And it's kind of funny because you also remember, oh, he was also Cosgrove on Freakazoid, so I'm just expecting, you know, Hudson to go, hey, hey, Goliath, want to go see a, want to go see a bear ride a unicycle? <laughs> <laughs> now that would be an interesting episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, cut that out. <laughs> to fanfiction.net. <laughs> Guys, what if, what if, what if, you know, what, what, what if, you know, uh, uh, Cosgrove was, um, was Hudson's human Sona. So there you go. Oh, yeah. During the mirror, when they all were turned into humans, Hudson ran off and had a little adventure and then came back. <laughs> I could see that. Oh God. And just. That's another show I love, Freakazoid. If you have not watched that show, please go watch that show. That is, that show is just so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, good times. We were raised on good good stock. I'm really <laughs> glad. Because I feel like, you know, go a little bit. I don't know how old you are, and I'm not going to say how old I am. But it sounds like we watched a lot of the same stuff growing up. I think if you go back in time a little before our time, it gets real dicey. And then if you go a little bit ahead of our time... It doesn't have the, quite the heart, in my opinion. So I feel like, you know, that Disney Afternoon pocket, that Batman the Animated Series pocket of time was, like, really something special. But that I, everybody could probably have that feeling about what they grew up watching, I guess. What do you mean Jabberjaw wasn't the greatest piece of media <laughs> that ever came out? I mean, it may be controversial, but... Jabberjaw. I've never even heard of that. 1976. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's a cute little shark. You never heard of Jabberjaw? You don't know Jabberjaw? No. No. Frank Welker's greatest role and you don't know it? Oh. Oh, I love Frank Welker. Oh, but there's like a band and everything. Okay, I'm going to have to uh, see if there's any Jabberjaw on YouTube. Oh, there is. <laughs> there is. <laughs> Oh, wow, there's a lot of Jabberjaw fan art I'm seeing on Google <laughs> Images. This is fa this brings a whole new meaning to Shark Week. <laughs> you don't know Jabberjaw? Oh, well, you know, it depends on if you grew up watching Cartoon Network back when they all they aired was Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Oh. So Look, we didn't have cable growing up, so I only got like ABC, NBC, CBS, and then what is now the CW, which is what um, the Disney afternoon was on before it became the CW, before it became the WB, actually. <laughs> uh, also, like, um, you know, quick uh, Darkwing question. Who Who's the best villain on that show? Oh, my God. Uh, okay. I've always loved Bushroot for his heart. I don't see him as a villain though i really feel like bushroot is a scientist who got caught up in a bad situation and makes bad decisions um i love bushroot as far as like villain villain i mean i've got a real soft spot in my heart for taurus bulba played by tim curry the legend love 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 taurus bulba 
Um, yeah. I also, even though he was in very few episodes, he only had one solo episode. I love the liquidator because he's just, you know, always spouting his sales phrases. Um, yeah. But, oh, Megavolt's great, too. Like, I love Megavolt. He's so crazy. Um, okay, for me, it's Bushroot for, like, you know, if you want, like, a recurring villain, he was always my favorite. But yeah. for one-time villain, and I don't know if you remember this guy. Pat... Oh, I think I know what you're going to say. Who? Paddywhack? Yes. Yes. <laughs> He's ne- so creepy. Voiced by Phil Hartman. I know. Phil Hartman know. was creepy. How? Genius. Rest in peace, Phil. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, there was an episode where it was going to be the return of Paddywhack, but it never got made. I remember a long time ago, Tad Stones, the creator of Darkwing Duck, revealed that they had an episode they were developing um, where Paddywhack came back. (laughs) That would have been awesome. But he did come back in the comics that are non-canon. So there you go. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Will you play with me? <laughs> oh, oh, and um, uh, why? How could I forget Spider Phoenix? I love Spider Phoenix. Ooh, volatile creative type. <laughs> yes, yes. D- don't blame me. Blame capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about ahead of your time. That show had such smart adult commentary. Um, yeah. Oh God. Uh, I love that show. Uh, comic book convention. Ugh, the lowest form of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> she was only in two episodes, and she, they, she, both times she got she was voiced by different people, but yes. she was awesome. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, that second episode she was in was a Quiverwing Quack episode. Uh, I love Goslin. Goslin's like one of my favorite animated characters of all time. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Uh, utter, I, I was, um, you know, I don't know. Um, I was utterly heartbro- heartbroken when I found out, like, you know, when Christine, oh, Christina Kavanaugh uh, passed away. Me she too. was, she was like my everything. She was my, like, you know, you talk about women in animation. Like, I don't care who you are. If you do a list of like top ten women in animation and you don't put her on there and as number mm. one, shame on you. In her brief, relatively brief time, she voiced so many iconic characters. I mean, Babe, Dexter, Goslin, like she, she was magnificent. Her comedic, t- her timing was so good, and her her quirkiness of her voice and her just and her delivery, it it. It was so memorable Um, and it really got to, I mean, her acting, like, you know, you really, she was really great at emotion and yeah, I mean, it's really sad. And I, I, but what an amazing thing to make such an, such an impact the brief time you're here. Another woman I think of is Dana Hill, who voiced Max on Goof Troop. Um, That was another, that was another big loss. That was another heartbreaking loss. Yeah. It's a funny world, and and the and the sad thing is like you know she you know uh, Christine Christine Kavanaugh retired like not knowing the impact of her the that her work had on people like you know De- Dexter's Lab was like the thing that made me fall in love with animation that made me say I want to be an animator and then you find out oh. that it's 
that it's a really horrible <laughs> environment to be in and you're like yeah maybe i should should rethink that <laughs> but um no but it's just it's just sad like i was like that you know i i very rarely get hit hard when it comes to celebrity deaths but like i remember like the day you know that that then when news broke of her passing and i'm like yeah i was just broken like i was just fuck man yeah yeah and it feels like a little bit of your childhood goes away you know when these people who voiced who were these incredible characters that have been with you for so long and in your brain in your developmenting in your developing formative brain her voice was always there right and um yeah i totally understand that that devastation um it's great though that we still and that new generations can come to know her with all of Darkwing on Disney Plus. You know, I it's it's so great that all of these all of these, um, you know, classic shows and classic performances are are immortalized in a sense. I mean, yeah. So, so people can, you know, people who are who aren't who are, who are familiar with like the DuckTales reboot and want to see like the, the original series and. And and you know June Foray's magnificent performance as Magica can can watch it at any time now. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of like voice actor deaths, I recently just a few weeks ago found out um, I'm a huge fan of the the Japanese anime Revolutionary Girl Utena, and I just found out that the woman who played Utena, um, Kawakami Tomoko, was her name. She passed away in 2011, and I didn't find out till just a few weeks ago um i was doing a rewatch of the series after several years and just reading a little bit about to see you know where's every what's everybody up to nowadays um and so that was really devastating because again utina this voice that's been ringing in my head since i was 16 um was when i first saw it like yeah it's 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 amazing that you know she'll live on forever in a sense through these performances through her body of work and through people where it means so much to them. Um, but it's just like, yeah, man, ah, what a loss. And, 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 you know, especially with like things the way they are now, I, I'm just going to say like, you know, I don't care if it sounds cheesy, but especially with, with how morale, with how like everything, you know, nowadays, like morale is like at an all time low. Let's not kid ourselves right now, but, yeah. but I, I think if 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 a person's work has has affected you in any positive way, please let them know because yeah. <laughs> you know they might not be here forever. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will share one um, story about her actually, Kawakami Tomoko, because I actually met her in Japan when I was in college. I was interning at um a TV station in Japan and I got to sit in on, I forget the anime that was recording, but it was a recording session for an anime. And one of the actors in it was Kawakami Tomoko. And I told her how much I loved Utena and she signed her script of the show that day as Utena. And the, one of the, the actors was like, wait, why are you writing Utena on this show? And she's like, shush, shush, shush. <laughs> and so I'm so grateful that I got to meet her and it made it all the more kind of weird when I found out that she passed away. This was like in 2003 when I met her. So she passed away seven, eight years later. Um, 
I don't know. It put me in a weird headspace in what is already, as you said, it's a weird headspace time. Uh, for those of you who are listening to this in the future, we are recording in September of 2020. <laughs> and there's a lot of weird shit going on in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, how Hopefully. did you, how did you how did you do it? Like, how did you survive what we're currently in? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're hearing this, you sur- you were one of the survivors. <laughs> um no i i just think that like because so many times you hear stories about you know fans being complete assholes to, to 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 the actors because of certain decisions that were beyond their control sure. and, and i'm like but i want to hear positive and that's why i do this this show is like i don't care if you've done a hundred roles or two or three roles. If you've done something that I like, you bet your ass I'm going to reach out and try to get you on here to tell you how great you are at, at this thing that, that has really I love that. <laughs> has affected so me. Nice. <laughs> well, you know, I hear this thing often where people are like, don't meet your heroes, kid. <laughs> and I certainly understand that to some level because sometimes when you put someone on a pedestal, the reality of them is going to be very different than your dream image of them. But I have to say, from my personal experience, every time I've quote unquote met a hero of mine, it's been an overwhelmingly positive experience. Um, and like, maybe that's because I have great taste in who I define as a hero. <laughs> but like, especially people working in animation, it, it's if you work in any kind of children's media, not that I'm saying all animation is children's media, but like when you work on shows that are geared towards preteen, teenager audiences, you tend to find a lot of people who care very deeply about imparting good messages and telling good stories and really love collaborating with other people who share that similar energy. So there tend not to be a lot of assholes people tend to be pretty nice and supportive and nurturing and um and in turn like i feel so grateful and lucky like so far 99.9 percent of my interactions with fans or people who you know watch the stuff i'm on have been so lovely like and i i hope people know like it makes an impact on the actor just as much as it makes an impact on you. Like I love meeting people at conventions. It's something I really miss right now with everything going on with COVID. But when you can meet people face to face and have that exchange of energy, even if it's brief, like it means so much. And I really carry that energy with me as I move on into my life. So thank you fans of animation. Truly. Um, You're all, you make this really special. It's how I feel. Uh, and and i always joke like i'm a terrible fan because i have not had someone come on here and i didn't berate them for decisions that they could that that their character made or or told them to die because of because they voiced a character that they that i didn't like or oh you're not as good as so the person before why did you ruin this character and it's just like oh uh. (laughs) yeah that's rough that's rough (laughs) no but i'm it's I'm I'm kind of like on the same boat with you where it's like I I'm very picky of who I define as a quote unquote hero and when I I've I've only like met like one or two of my heroes on the show and both of them were really nice so 
Either hey. I either either I have good taste in in heroes or or, <laughs> or they were just in a good mood that day. <laughs> I think it's because you have good taste. Uh, it's like, oh, who are your heroes? Oh, they know Nika Futterman and David Kay. Like, well, well you know, oh. <laughs> like how can Nika you? Nika Futterman is super cool. I haven't like talked to her or worked with her, but I um a couple years ago I attended a panel. It was like a one-on-one Q and A with her. Uh, and it was moderated by this group called Women in Animation, um, which is an awesome group. If anybody works in animation, you don't have to be female to be a part of it. It's a super cool organization. And um, there was an event with Nika, and it was just talking to Nika about her life. She is one of the most fascinating people. That's so, Where did you meet her? I, I reached out, and because I, I had almost given up. Like, I had almost given up like reaching out trying to contact her and and like i'm not gonna lie like when i opened my email and saw like a notification like an email from her saying I'll, i'd love to do your your thing i'm like oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah and and unfortunately because of technical difficulties we had to call the episode early and we promised a part b and I don't know if we're going to do a part b because because the thing with nika futterman is like she's a ghost She's very like you know she does the whole hiding thing like she'll disappear from from the face of the earth for years and and you oh, just wow. and you just wonder is she real was she real <laughs> <laughs> It was just a dream So so you know you're talking about you know her doing her doing um her doing something like a, a speaking a public speaking event she doesn't do those much and the fact that you got to 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 be wow. to to see to see her on stage, oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I feel very lucky, yeah. And I mean, it was a great talk. And what I really appreciated was it went beyond um, went beyond talking about acting and animation. Like it's always so interesting. I think oh, to I think to be a good actor, you have to be a well-rounded person, right? You have to have passion for other things in your life because all of it feeds the art and the craft and the work you're doing. And it, in general, it's just, you know, in my personal life, most of my friends are pretty well-rounded people. We have a lot of things we talk about. The last thing I want to do, like hanging out with my friend is to talk shop. So I love, you know, I, you know, so Nika was so fascinating because she loves poker and um, she was talking about books she had been reading, uh, like about other subjects. And I was like, this is so fascinating. And so, just refreshing to not think certainly they talked about um, acting and the craft and working in the industry and all that stuff. But then there was a good part of the discussion that was about, you know, her passion for playing poker. Um, and, you know, I understand she's really great at it and plays competitively. And um, yeah, it's just so neat seeing different people's perspectives because especially with actors and especially with, um, you know, actors who are specializing in acting for animation and video games, everybody is so interesting and has a different story, like a different life story for why they're doing, why we're doing what we're doing. Um, so, yeah. And and it's been like how many years now? And I'm still pissed that she never got to finish the Asajj arc on Clone Wars. And yep. <laughs> Was that not revisited in the in the new Clone Wars that came out? 
Oh, she told me personally. I, you know how I found out she wasn't in Clone Wars season seven. She told me personally when when we didn't when we record when we, oh. when I when I had her on the show, and that was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever heard. I'm like, but why? <laughs> She's just like, nope, I'm not in it. <laughs> oh, that's tough. Not in it, and um. Yeah, you know, her character got killed off in a book, and that was that. Oh, shoot! <laughs> oh, in a book! Oh, man. Because Asajj is my favorite Star Wars character of all time, and the fact that oh, she wow. never she never finished the arc, and, and, I, and I say to people, like, you know, to, to people who have never seen Clone Wars, if Asajj isn't your favorite character coming out of that series, then something's wrong with you, because... She's just so great in that role, and Asajj is just so well written, and and her arc was going someplace, and then you know CN pulled the plug, and and um, then and then it just it just never finished, it just never finished. That's a bummer. You know what? That's what archiveofourown.org is for. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many um, sequel trilogy fan fiction I have read after I saw the Rise of Skywalker. I was like. Okay, this did not scratch the itch I wanted to get scratched. I'm going to read what other people have written. <laughs> oh, it's not it's not the same. I know. It's and it's not big consolation, but it does help a little bit, I find. I love fan fiction. <laughs> uh, you know, that that's well, you know, erotic fan fiction is is another subject, but um no, I, I, I love um I love uh reading about, you know, what could have been and looking at concept art of stuff that could have been made but didn't oh, for whatever yeah. reason. <laughs> right? Oh Yeah. Or like scripts, like original treatments that were then rejected by Oh, uh... the Duel of the Fates script was so good. Oh, yeah, about. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Duel of the Fates. I you know, I didn't like all of the choices that were made in it, but there were some really compelling stuff that I think maybe I would have liked a little bit more than what we got. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I, want to get in agreement with anybody about Star Wars. <laughs> no, oh god, I'm not. I'm not opening up that can of worms because that's that's. Ugh. I'm putting that shit behind me now. <laughs> that was 2019. It's 2020 now. We're gonna move forward. <laughs> well, if we can move forward, because. <laughs> 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 um. Yeah, we're almost yeah. we're almost at the as the cut at the cutting point. So I'm gonna have to, you know, if there's anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up, you know, the floor is yours, my lady. <laughs> oh goodness, I don't know. What do you want to know? Uh, we haven't really talked much about video games, and I do a fair amount of that. Um... Uh, you're the um, oh God. I've had, I've had Mela, I've had Erica, and I've had free. Oh, I've had yes. free. To... I've had Frida Wolf and I've had um, Roger on, so you're like the fifth person on Apex that I've had on this show. So. <laughs> you are the Apex champion. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love that. I love doing that to people and they freak out. 
like, and it happens when I'm out and about, like I was at a clothing store in LA and I was wearing uh, a shirt that said apex legends on it. And one of the shopkeepers was like, Oh, my girlfriend and I love that game. And I was like, you are the apex champion. And he was like, what? And he like called over one of the other storekeepers who also played apex is very crazy to me. Like how popular that game got so quickly. Like, I feel very, very fortunate and lucky to, because I was um, the voice of a lot of robots in Titanfall 2. That's how I got to be in Apex when they needed then, um, you know, the robotic AI announcer for for Apex Legends. They brought me in from Titanfall 2. And um, I'm so grateful. I love that cast. Uh, we very early on in quarantine had a Zoom happy hour just to chat and catch up and um, I can't wait. I can't wait until things are safer and we can get together in person again because it's just such a great group of people. Yeah. Uh, that's so cool. You've talked to so many of us so far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mela is one of my closest friends. So there you go. Oh, she's, she's, she's lovely. She's <laughs> such a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. And Erica's pretty cool too. I mean, Erica's like, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Erica's, you know, it's, I understand like what the, why she's the way she is, but man, she's, you know, once you get, you know, past that, you know, past that barrier where she thinks you're cool, then you, you will have a good time with her. <laughs> She's totally awesome. I love her. She's such a badass. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, she's like, yeah, you know, I, I did that. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty cool. <laughs> right. Um, before we head out, uh, any where can what projects are you currently working on and where can people find you? Yeah. Um, I don't know when this is going to air, but in October, on October 13th, I believe, uh, Batman, a death in the family, uh, DC showcase interactive short is coming out on Blu-ray and digital. And I play Talia Al Ghul in that. So be sure to check it out. It's really cool. Kind of choose your own adventure style film. Um, that's an adaptation of the the famous comic book arc death in the family so i'm really excited for that um what else can i talk about that's the big one anyway apex oh yeah the next season of apex will be coming out at some point soon and i can't give away any details but it's gonna be awesome i mean every everything that game does i'm always impressed by them season after season like the new things that are pulled out um, but let's just say uh, there might be some changes going on with your favorite announcer, dot, dot, dot. I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah. And if you want to find me on the social media world, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Zara Fuzzle. So feel free to chat with me on there. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for taking the time off to come on here. And I hope that we Thank get... Thank you for having me. And I hope we get to have you on sometime again <laughs> as well. That would be so much fun. fun. <laughs> I had so much fun talking, nerding out with you about Gargoyles <laughs> and Darkwing Duck. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Th- thanks so much. And, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.